0: Hello, hockey fans! Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Chris Lisa out on Long Island. Welcome to the Metropolitan Division Preview Show with Mark Scheig. Follow Mark at Mark Scheig on Twitter. Uh, covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to be talking to him a little bit later in the show, but first, let me welcome in my esteemed co-host, Chris Lisa. Chris, good day to you, sir.
1: Oh, good day to you. We got a got an action-packed show. We could do a whole show uh, on just the first two segments before doing the Metro Division preview, but uh,
0: absolutely, let's
1: jump down. Yeah, let's jump down the Vegas lane. The big news of the week: the trade for Max Pacioretty and the extension. Uh, I'll jump in first uh, in terms of Pacioretty. Um, first of all, big fan of the player in terms of what he can do on the ice, in terms of the leader, more leadership he brings. The uh, uh, the fact that he, you know, uh, he's in the prime of his career. Uh, I like the extension from the standpoint of term. Uh, it's probably a little bit too high of a number, but hey, look, anytime someone hits free agency or is close to it, odds are we're going to be talking about they got too much money. So it's fine. Um, but having said all that, uh, what I'm, I don't. What I i do not what i do not There's two things that I don't like. One, I'm not thrilled about trading Nick Suzuki in this deal. Um, number one. Um, again, he's a prospect. a very well-regarded prospect. Uh, if you go by the Hockey News Spring Future Watch last year, he was the 27th ranked prospect. That's that's pretty good. Um, when you look at the asset allocation to get Max Pacioretty. Tatar, who won this deal, excuse me, they traded a, last year's one, this year's two, and I think next year's three, so then That's he correct. gets moved. Yeah, then he gets moved along with Suzuki and another second-round pick, so when you look at, uh, at the end of the day, in a short period of time, uh, what they gave up to get patch-ready, not to mention the number of future assets they've traded since last spring,
2: uh,
1: and who knows? Uh, we'll get into it in the next segment with Eric Carlson. Uh But they've given up a lot of future chips, and I don't know if that came, if that played into that. But we'll get that in the next segment. So, fan of the player, like the move. I'm not thrilled with all the the young future assets they've given up, and I'm not thrilled with giving up Suzuki in this deal. But uh, so that's where I stand.
0: Well, I want to take it from two different spots. I want to look at it as. Uh just what it means on the ice and then um, play general manager for a little bit. I think we, I think we sometimes as fans uh, put the general manager hat on too early and, and, and you're talking about asset allocation and all that stuff. And, and I'll I'll get to my thoughts on that in a second too. We, when when it first went down, we talked and I, I was of one opinion, but I, I looking looking at the history and then, and then with max coming to town and and how he's embracing things here and um I didn't know he had played so much internationally with Stastny and that they're just about i mean he wrote a a big piece on one of the websites that take players' blogs on his move to Las Vegas, and that he called stasney a, a a best friend away from hockey. And he says you have guys that are friends on the team, but then you have guys that are friends in life. And and him and Stastny seem to be pretty close. So it, you you have a built-in chemistry there on the second line with Stastny and and Patch. Um. And then, then I started looking at at the player and and the highlights and everything, and and he's got a lot more speed than I first thought he did. I think he fits into Gallant's system well. And and you look at the 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 offensively, I mean. Every year, it seems like we beat the same drum in, in, in Montreal. Great goaltending. Where's the offense going to come from? And despite that, he's in, in five of the last six years, not counting last year, where he you know he probably slumped a bit and is, is, you know sat out 20 games with with a knee injury, and who knows how long he was playing with that knee mm-hmm. before hanging it up. Uh, he's a 30 goal guy. He, between 30 and 39 in the last five years. Okay, he's 29 years old. Um, in this offense, and if the knee is sound, I, I don't see him going backwards with that, especially with Stassen at center. Uh, one of the things Montreal Nation talks about is, oh, and I and I saw this from quite a few people on Twitter, that, uh, well, he's finally going to have a real center to play with. Um, and so that's, you know, from Montreal Nation. But um, if he pumps 35 and 40, uh, 40 assists, 75 points, um, he, he's more than replaced James Neal on the left side. Um, um,
1: yeah, if he goes, if he goes it, it, no subs, doubt. If he goes thirty and you know, or even whatever, twenty seven and thirty three. Uh,
0: no, yeah, no. yeah. Um, so, and and he has more speed than Neal, and he has a longer longer career ahead of him than Neal does. Um, I agree with all that. So, uh, just from the perspective, is Vegas better with him? or Tatar on the, on the second line, Max Pacioretty is an upgrade. He also uh, fits in with, with the group pretty well already. Um, and There's another thing that needs to be talked about, too, is that being a captain of the Montreal Canadiens has to bring a lot of stress with it, especially if you're an American-born player. Um, that just goes, goes with the business. You know what I'm saying? So one of, the, one of the comments in his press conference was, I can't wait to take my brain out and just go and play hockey again and get back to yeah. doing what I love. Um, I think there's a huge weight lifted off his shoulders, and I think he's going to be flying around the ice. So it, is, is Vegas a better team? 100% they're a better team. Um, and the, other thing, the other thing he does, uh, if, you're, if you're going to try and bring Alex Tuck up to the second line, a young guy showed huge strides last season and especially in the playoffs where he, he just scored some, some amazing goals. Um, he's learning to use his big body to, to park up in front of the net. He has a burst of speed that you don't think is going to come from a guy that size and playing with two veterans that are going to be like coaches on the ice for a kid like that. If that ends up being the night's second line, then I look for Alex Stuck to have a, a breakout season. I think playing with those two guys—if he makes a mistake—they're already going to be there to cover him. They're not going to be reacting to his mistake; they're going to be anticipating his mistakes. So,
1: it, I'm, bu- I'm the, buying everything that you're that you're selling. I gotta, gotta
0: okay. tell you, right? I, I as mean, I,
1: I'm, I'm 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 waiting for the GM hat to come okay, on. Okay,
0: well, we're gonna we're gonna pop the GM hat on now. Now the at first blush, and this is what we talked about in the week—you're basically paying a first. Two seconds, a third, a twenty-goal roster scorer, which is Tatar, um, and, and uh, the, you know one of the top twenty-five prospects in the league for patcheretti If you go back in the off-season uh, when when uh, you know the rumors were flying between Tampa, Dallas, and Vegas on the Eric Carlson front, um, if that if you're willing to spend those assets and you didn't have the first, second, and third anymore, but um, just for argument's sake, if you're willing to spend – let's go back to the trade deadline when, they, when Vegas was hot for Carlson and ended up with Tatar. If you were going to spend a first, two seconds, a third, a 20-goal roster scorer in Suzuki, uh, Eric Carlson would be a Vegas Golden Knight signed to a seven-year extension. And, there, you know, that would – if he didn't take that and then he took the package that San Jose took, then he had diminished returns, um, obviously. So from from that point of view, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough price, but on the other side of things and listening to uh the local media here. One thing GMs seems to have learned uh from his Washington time, when you do make a mistake on a contract or a player, you cut the tie, you sever the cord, you you correct the mistake and you move on. Now if if Klon and McPhee have decided that Tatar really wasn't ever going to fit in here. The worst thing you could do is let that rot for three years. Um, there's too good of a mood in the locker room. There's there's too much uh, uh, camaraderie, whatever. Um, if a guy's not fitting in, then he's not going to be happy. And if he's not going to be happy, that's going to f- affect the room. Um, and, and so it, if it was deemed that Tatar was a mistake, then kudos to GM GM for – you know, finishing it off, cutting the ties with it, moving on from the mistake, and what you brought in is an upgrade. Now, I was ready to, I was ready to say seven million a year, um, and be all upset about that, and then Sagan signed, and then I went back and started. Uh, now he's a center, so he does more than a, than a winger. I, I get that, but Sagan got nine point eight, I believe. Um, yeah, nine eight five. So I'm getting well, into the second said. segment a little bit, but uh, if you look at, at Sagan, he's a thirty thirty-five goal scorer, and it, it, let, if Patch hits the open market, do you think it's safe to say he gets nine? I think I think so. I think that's
1: uh, for, I It will depend on how he does uh, how he does this year. I will say this about Patch Reagan. Let's just say for argument's sake, he's a six million dollar player. Just for argument's sake, let's say he's 29, you know, he's a really good player, he's a 60-point guy. I will say this, I'd be willing to pay someone a little bit more, let's say a $6 million player, $7 million a year, if I got a shorter term. And that's what sure. they get here. They, they got... Bumped him up a little uh, I mean, bit and bought it, a couple
0: years at a million a year.
1: Right. I mean, right? Neil's you got take... a five-year deal, right? So, yes. and he's a, he's a couple of years older than Pacioretty. And so, that's kind of how I look at it. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm okay with the. I mean, it's high, the seven. Now, if he bounces back, I don't think it is. Uh, right. It all comes down to what he's going to do this year. If he's if he's a 50 point guy, you know, if he's a 25, 25, 50 point guy, then the seven's a bit high. But nothing you could nothing that you can't live
0: with. It's not agree. He winds
1: up being right. If he winds up being 30 plus, 30 plus, 60 plus, uh, then then it's a bargain. You know. Then it's yeah, it's a good deal. So, the, the, I think the key is the for the term. They got a good term, so that yep. that is a, a a big key. And I, I want to say you know because you teased it a little bit, and might as well jump into um, Eric Carlson and, and also talk about it from a Vegas standpoint uh, as well. But in terms of what the Sharks gave up, you know, time will tell. I mean, from a Ottawa standpoint, Josh Norris. Is a really good prospect. Now, put it in perspective, and again, keep in mind, prospects are like buying the, buying the future stock. You don't know. Hold on a second. You don't know what they're going to be worth. So maybe today, Suzuki's ranked 27th according to the Hockey News, and Josh Norris is 57. Does that mean Suzuki's going to be, you know, a better than player than Josh Norris? No. Who knows? But who knows? The, guy, the Sharks. You know they got a really really good prospect in Josh Norris. I'm not gonna call him a blue I call him a really really good prospect. They got another kid that looks like has you know will get an opportunity as well in the deal. And then they got you know three picks. They got the second the Sharks second round this year, and then uh, their two first rounds the next two years. I mean for Ottawa it's gonna come down to is the two kids that they and, and Chris is a good young player, um, but it's gonna come down to those picks and those prospects and what they get out of them. Uh, you know, does any of them become top six? Forget about superstars. Does any of them become uh, top four D-men or, or uh, top six forwards? So uh, from a San Jose standpoint, uh, if they're going to wind up stunning him to an extension, then even though they gave up a lot of quantity, that's I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. But... Here's the big fight. If for whatever reason, a he winds up being there just for the one year, and they don't win the cup, if they win the cup, then you know you can throw everything else out in terms of was it worth it. If they don't win the cup and he's there for one year, uh, that is a lot of future assets that have given up to take a, to take a, to go for the brass ring and, and, and not get it. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. I personally think there's a good, there's a strong chance. He will uh, resign there, even though uh, state taxes aren't the greatest there, but they can give him the eight, eight years, and I think basically the contract they offer Tavares for 13 million a year, I would not be surprised if they offered a number similar to Carlson and maybe you know for an eight year deal. so uh, before getting to the Vegas, sure should they shouldn't have topped that offer uh, what What say you about the uh, uh, sharks getting Carlson?
0: Well, for a, a few short hours, uh, I was I was ruining my decision to pick the Sharks over the the Knights in the Pacific Division when the when the Knights got patch ready. I thought that that bumped them back up over the Sharks, in my opinion. Um, I thought that strengthened their second line. Uh, made it a, a yep. more defensively responsible second line and with the fourth line being what that is you got to fill in some pieces on the third line with a 30 goal score from last year Eric Hollis centering that line uh, I thought that put the Knights right back in the driver's seat until I tweeted you and said Carlson sure. to the Sharks and then I was glad that I put the Sharks back in the first place in the division but yeah do you, I wanted to ask you do you think it's curious that um I mean Patch had a deal set in place and, and signed that that day and it's been what forty eight hours now and and there's not been and then they were allowed to negotiate with Carlson before the trade. You remember Dorian gave permission to the general managers to uh talk right. with, with the player and, and negotiate that deal. It 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 just it, it's tickling me a little bit uh, in the back of my head, a little spidey sense there um why haven't they announced that deal yet is is eric saying well i'll play with you and we'll see how it goes and we'll wait and see and the farther into the season i'll have a better idea whether i want to sign my deal here and the sharks are are okay with that um and and then from, from the other thing if they win the cup this year then slam dunk home run uh throw mama from the train right if they don't right. win the cup this year, because that window is closing in San Jose, they have a lot of great young players. Um, they do. They uh, they reup Couture. hurdle hurdle can be a beast, but I mean, let's face it, Thornton and Pavelski aren't getting any younger, and and Marlow's already and out the Burns is, and,
1: and, and Burns? Burns is thirty
0: three. Burns Burnsie's Burns thirty three years old. Um, so right. if there's a little bit, if there's a little bit along in the tooth there, they they almost have to to put something into this window or else this group of sharks who have been favored to win the cup quite a, quite a few times since, since the mid two thousands or at least one of the teams that you, you talk about before, before the season starts. Um, This group's probably going to go down as an underachieving group, I would think. And I don't,
1: I don't think it's a reaction of Pacioretty though, simply because of this. From the from Jump Street since the season ended, they were all in on Tavares. I mean, they offered him thirteen million a year for seven sure. years, uh, uh, which would have made him uh, the highest paid uh, player in the league, right? is uh, way
0: overpaid, what, uh, McDavid?
1: Too. Yeah, right. McDavid's at twelve and a half, right? Or is he at thirteen? Whatever. I think Other he's at thirteen something,
0: but yeah, it would have uh, been okay. ridiculous.
1: Okay, so. They basically wanted to get not just an impact guy plus. Now, Carlson obviously is a completely different player than John Tavares. Play obviously different positions and so forth. But Eric Carlson is, no doubt, one of the best players in the league. I mean, the Hockey News yep. yearbook just came out. I think they had him as the fourth best player in the league. So, uh, they've been no pun intended, Jones in to make a move like this. So ah. I think the I think fi- I think think finally the opportunity or the window was open. And, in fact, ironically, a day before the trade, I was on the phone talking with Dan Harrigan, friend of the show who's going to be on in a couple of weeks, about Steve Eisenman stepping down. And then Eric Carlson's name came up, and I said to him, "The you know, he said, well, what do you think the odds are he gets traded? And I said, the only way he gets traded now is there has to be a team that really is, uh, you know, I don't want to say desperate, but really, really, really wants to make that big move now, who's going to be yeah. motivated for that. And I said, you know, as much as Tampa or Vegas would love to get Eric Carlson, I don't see them in that position, whereas I felt the Sharks could. Now, the one thing I said was uh, I don't know what the Sharks – you know, I, I know the Vegas young players very well, and I know Tampa is pretty loaded in that regard. And I said, I, I'd be curious of what, what would be the package. And it basically went up being Tierney and uh, a lot of picks and, and, and their top prospect. But I don't think it's a reaction uh, uh, to Vegas getting patch ready. And I know this, though, both teams have both uh, with these two moves done a heck of a lot better.
0: No, I agree with that 100%. I think there is a little bit of reactionary, though. I think they might have had an offer on the table, and uh, Dorian went back to the Sharks one more time and uh, basically said, I'm going to need one or two more assets. Can it throw in another pick or whatever? And that's how they got to six assets, and, and that's right. how the deal got done. I, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking from a, a, a player standpoint, you're going to be happier if uh, – and, and I'm pretty sure that that deal was, was – going to be before the patch ready deal would be Theodore Suzuki maybe add another prospect uh maybe a Nick Hag, and then we were going to put Eakin in the deal and give up a pick a first or a second not next year but but the next year so if he if he took that back to the Sharks and they were like well they just got patched let's let's bump up it give them another, a couple conditional picks on this um interesting, interesting, one of the conditions on one of the picks is that if at imp- any right. point during the twenty eighteen season th- that Eric Carlson is on an Eastern Conference roster, meaning they decide they're not going to resign him and they go ahead and trade him at the deadline or whatever, then that the the Ottawa would get another first round pick in that deal too, so that that's an interesting caveat to have, so you know they really wanted him in the in the West. <clears throat> it'll be an interesting thing to see if, if the Sharks do get him to a long-term deal or if he, if he just plays it out. Man, and you know what, at the, at the deadline I could see, even if he's not signed, I see the Sharks holding on to him because if they're in first place oh, absolutely. And, and ready they're to make win. a run at the cup, then, they, then it's this year or never. And then I also won't be right. surprised if um, a twelve million million seven seven year deal with no state tax lures Carlson to Vegas next season.
1: Well, that's and, why I think I think and and Vegas still an has year. all
0: all the yeah Vegas still has all all the other assets that they didn't have to give up to to acquire him now, so I, I don't right. I, I wouldn't be surprised I, if any of that happens.
1: Well, I wouldn't be surprised though if Carlson signed before opening night, an eight-year extension with San Jose because you're got to remember something. That's the guy who did have a, a serious injury within the last year and year and a half. And you know, uh, burden the hand as the as the expression goes. You know what, uh, San Jose is a pretty nice place to live. Uh, you you mentioned before about patch ready thing. I Cost of
0: living like is pretty rough brain. up there.
1: And, <laughs> I understand, but you know what, you're making 13 million a year. You're gonna be okay. Uh, yeah, but you're you only know, taking uh,
0: home about seven. It gets tough to you know you got to buy groceries and but feed that, the kids with that.
1: that, that yeah, I think I, – I don't think we have to take up a – I don't think we have to take up a collection, but uh, I, I think that's why he would get the to get the eighth year. Uh, so that's just something to watch out for. But interesting to me is now does Ottawa take a breath with Duchesne uh, and Stone and say, look,
0: they're, they're going to
1: get traded, but do, are they being aggressive to try to move them now? Do they say, okay, let's start the season with them? and hopefully, you know, their value will only get better. Uh, So that's just something to watch out for. I tend to think they're going to take a breath and start the season and then uh, come November start negotiating uh, in terms of trade talks with with various teams. Unless their phone rings and someone offers them something for either Stone or Duchesne, and that really wows them right now. And, you know, while the iron is hot – kind of situation, but uh, uh, but this was, you know, Colson wasn't the only, uh, uh, whoa, Well, Pacioretty, how about, I mean, who saw this one coming, how about Stevie Y down in Tampa stepping down, yeah, uh, uh, what, I don't know what happened, I mean, then. what, oh, uh, well, I, again, so speaking with Dan Harrigan, who we'll have on in a couple of weeks it sounds like it was a pure family thing. I mean,
0: well, that's a the, very clear the, the media, you know, that's the public face well, they put on it is I want to spend well, more time right. with my family, but
1: well, the, um, the thing is though, there seems to be some credence, uh, based, uh, based on this. What I can tell you is talking to Dan Arrigan and, uh, and his information being down in Tampa and also Joe Smith of the athletic who, who covers the lightning for, for forever. does a great job. Uh, Heisman's been in Tampa for eight years now. And when he went down there, his family stayed back in Detroit. And right. I believe he has, three girl, he has three girls. And to say that he's, whenever possible, uh, been crisscrossing the country to see his family as well as doing the job as the GM, it's happened a lot. And I think, you know what, this, is, this team is ready to roll. That to steal Dan's expression, the heavy lifting is done. Um, yeah. so I think I think he's you know he's gonna take he just a set the back. wall.
0: And as like, you know what, I can't do it. I mean, and I think that's part this.
1: of it too. He played I a very long time and, and then went right into the front office with Detroit for a few years and then took the Tampa job. You know, so um, I, I think that's part of it too, and not seeing your family. Um I you know, he's made plenty of money. Um obviously he'll be very invested with the lightning this year. This is his baby. These are his players. Um, even though he'll be a quote-unquote advisor, uh, the the new uh, the assistant GM, who's now the GM, obviously he's got a very close relationship with him. With he knows the organization backwards and forwards. He's going to have a big voice on with the team this year. It's just going to be, you know, not in the office every day. But it was. I do believe. I do believe that. That uh, you know. That you know. The, Dan was telling me about a story of. He he was he was up uh, uh, watching some some of the minor league team and then he was catching a flight right after the game to go to Dallas because his daughter was in a lacrosse tournament. Uh, all this kind of crazy stuff, all over the place. So um, I think when you add all that up, I, I, I really I don't think this is I don't think this is any. Um, I'm trying to beeline to go to become the Red Wings next GM. I mean, maybe in a couple of years, Steve Eisman, and when his daughters are done with with college or winds up being a g being a GM or maybe he's just gonna be an advisor uh somewhere and, and uh you know taking a step back. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But uh what do you think of the Tyler t- you mentioned it before, what do you think of the Tyler Sagan uh contract extension with the stars?
0: Um I like it. I think you know there was a lot of people saying that that uh He might have taken uh, a little bit of a discount where uh, some people were thinking it should have been 10, 10, maybe for that kind of player. So kudos to Dallas for not getting into any of these situations like we've seen with Carlson and Tavares, where you let it go, let it go, let it go. And Columbus with Panera. And I want to talk with Shiger about that a little bit, how that might affect the jackets going forward. But, uh, you know, you know, they know what side their, their bread is buttered on. They, they, didn't, you know, they had the in coming soon and uh, on the defense from the prospect side. And, you know, yep. S- Sagan and Ben are one of the best offensive pair, you know, pairings in, in the league. There's no question about it. So to get the deal done before it becomes a distraction, um, it, good, good for Dallas. Tyler might have taken a, a couple bucks off. Um, likes it See, in Dallas, I, I that would likes argue, though, that he really, he
1: really didn't because, you, to be fair, if you're the player, right, and let's say for argument's sake, his, his number's 10.5. Let's just say that, okay? First off, okay. as of today, Dallas is the only team that can go eight years with him. Okay, uh, Everyone else can only go seven. So you've got to keep that in mind. And then the second part of that is he's still got a year to go before free agency. Anything can happen. He could have a down year. Unlikely, but it, it's happened. He could get a serious injury, be it a concussion or a knee injury. Then where is where is this deal at? So again, bird in the hand, he gets offered today, uh, eight years at nine, eight nine985 You want to say if he plays through the season through and he puts up a big year, could he gotten eight years at eleven? Okay, fine, yeah. If all those if those things lined up, but again, where he's at today and given risks involved, I, I think this was I think this was just a uh writer, the number was uh pretty true my
0: opinion yeah I, I mean you take all that into account like like i was saying he likes he likes where he's at he likes um his line mates obviously, and you know m- probably pretty sure they have a chance to be competitive coming up the we've seen uh, Dallas very active in the last two or three years in in making moves maybe too active in in changing the right. roster up and maybe a little reactionary instead of a little long term planning but but not afraid to make a deal to bring in someone they they think would help they brought Ben Bishop in settled down the goalie situation uh, made a few moves on defense. Strengthen their forward pool, and he probably thinks that, that in the next year or two, with with some of the young guys that they do have in the pipeline, that they weren't even willing to give up to land a player like Eric Carlson. That uh, that he thinks they're going to have a chance to win. So if you know, if he thought he was a ten and a half million player, um, And his eyes, giving up a little bit, uh, maybe seven hundred fifty a year or whatever, get, grabbing that extra right. year and having security through through you know his most productive years yeah, yeah. is. Uh, it, it, it was worth the, it to him and it's worth it to Dallas to to go ahead and do that now. And, and like I said, kudos to them for not getting into one of these situations where you're forced to move the player and you're taking a discount and, and Tyler Sagan ends up in Toronto or <laughs> yeah,
1: right. wherever. And and uh, no, and no, also too, the money now is his. It's locked. It's loaded. Yep. You know what I mean? It's a done deal. Can't
0: lose it. So yep. that's Can't the, lose it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a, so. Uh, unless he, like, violated his contract somehow. So, um, yeah, so that's something to consider. I think this is a win-win for the player and the organization, uh, to say the least. I know
0: Mark is going to be calling in. He's yeah, here right now. And
1: he's Oh, okay, there you go.
0: Yep, he's here right now. Let me go ahead and bring him in. All right, now we're going to welcome into the Vegas Hockey Podcast Mark Scheig. He covers the Blue Jackets at Monsters Hockey, uh, covers the Area Otters for thehockeywriter.com. And your, your Twitter bio says, no, it's not October yet, Scheiger, but we're getting really close. There's, the guys are on the ice. I know you got, uh, you know, you dropped a new piece at the Hockey Writers. First of all, why don't you tell us about that and where else we can find some of your stuff? My bad. My bad. Now you can tell oh, us where to find some of this stuff. What's no, up, Shiger? Okay. Yeah, my bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean, you pretty much said it. You can find me on um, Twitter at Mark Shag. I pretty much put everything out there, including our, we put our Blue Jackets season preview together, went over lines, went over pairs, went over predictions. So everything you could possibly want to know about the Blue Jackets um, is out there um the near Otters season preview earlier and then coming up in October when the rosters are figured out we'll have the Monsters one as well but um yeah
0: right on right on well it's good to have you on the show always a good friend of the show we always look forward to talking with you and and you know it's 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 hockey time we got we had a lot of deals and stuff we just went over here in the first segment of the show but now now we're going to concentrate in your in your neck of the woods the Metropolitan Division and I think I'm going to start by counting down from third place, second place, first place, or third place, second place, and then we'll let Chris jump in a little bit. We'll get to the Capitals. We'll get to your thoughts on the Blue Jackets. But let's go. Let's go to third place. Let's go to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, they bring in JVR. Uh, the top six looks pretty potent. If if Patrick, yep. uh, Couturier, and knee, you know take another step forward, then that's one of the best you know one of the better top sixes that we see in the division. Um, maybe a little overpayment for JVR, but that solidifies their second line for five years. So I, I think I'm okay with that. The player's not going to be long in tooth, if you will. Uh, the young defense is pretty dynamic, obviously with Gossespierre and, and Provorov, a little thin maybe, uh, from three or, or four or five, six spots, maybe an upgrade there at the trade deadline, 98 points last season in third place, uh, one point ahead of Pittsburgh and New Jersey um it it comes down to goalies I believe with Neuwirth and Elliott they need they need to step up between them somehow manage the same 40 45 wins and and enough overtime losses to get that extra point and get back into the 98 to the 100th place uh what what say you on the Flyers Are are we back at a third place team
2: this year I don't see how they could be a third place team I just I have too many questions about them to, you know, they they did a lot right last year. They're going to be dynamic. There's no question about that. It's just, I think I feel a little bit better about the teams that I have ahead of them than them, which is saying they're going to finish probably in fourth, which is still good enough for a playoff spot, which just kind of goes to show you how good the top of the metropolitan division is when you have your last three Stanley cup winners occupying the top of that division. Um, the thing that really sticks out to me about the Flyers, though, is stay out of the penalty box. I mean, JBR yep. now on that team, add that to the power play that they already have, um, that's scary good. I mean, we're talking, yeah. I, I don't want to jump the gun and say historically good, but it's going to be really, really good, and it'll behoove teams to not take very many penalties against them. <laughs> but at the same time, you, you make a good point about the defense. Top two are very dynamic. But what about four? What about five? What about six? I see a lot of high-scoring games. And then, you know, is Brian Elliott good enough to be able to win multiple rounds in the playoffs? You know, and if not him, is Michael Neuver good enough to win multiple rounds in the playoffs? So, again, if you combine all the things, they're going to be a very exciting team to watch, whether it be they score a lot of goals or they give up a lot of goals. I'm just not convinced of the overall depth and the goaltending to put them um, into the top three of the metropolitan division for this year.
0: We could be looking at a case where this is going to be a, a Dallas Stars light from a couple of years ago when they had Niemi, and uh, I'm forgetting the other goal, goalie right now, but where they were definitely offensively prolific, and and just just didn't have the horses on defense to take that next step, and th- that could be what oh, we, we see. Legend, Yes, yes, Kari Letten the the, the nine million dollar goalie tandem, um, and I I'll probably never get over that. But the, it, it could be a case where, the, yeah, the, you see him flying up the ice and and scoring a lot of goals, and the power play, as you say, looks looks to be very potent with with the the guys that they could run out there on their first unit if they if they need to score a goal. Um, the, it's going to be scary good, but are the, the are you know Brian Elliott was supposed to be the heir apparent in St. Louis, and and they lost faith, and and now he's trying to be the the guy in Philly, and uh, I don't, you know that's that's the question marks, and then and then thin on defense, so um, they'll be a fun team to watch. Uh, our our friend uh, Matt Pryor one time a couple of years back, we were looking at the Dallas Stars, and he kind of said what you said was if you're going to lose, lose exciting, keep your fans engaged, mm-hmm. and and it, it, if you can't put it together and, and put a grinder team in there that's going to go through the battles of the playoffs, at least give them a regular season to be excited about. And, and you know, until the goalie prospect they have and, and a couple other defensemen, that may be where Philadelphia is. Um, let's go to the Penguins. What uh, last hmm. year, you know, 100 points came up short in the playoffs. Capital slew the dragon. We all know that. Um, they've lost a few pieces with Connor Sherry and Kunackle and, and Matt Hunwick going with Sherry, uh, losing them for nothing but a fourth round pick to Buffalo. And they bring in a 41 year old Matt Cullen and, and everybody scratched their head on the Jack Johnson deal. Um, is, is, is Pittsburgh. I don't want to say their windows closed because when you have Crosby and, and Malkin and, and Kessel and, and you have that, that, High high volume offensive up front, but with Pittsburgh now, uh, I'm starting to see that the depth and health is going to be key for them to to get back and make another run. Um, what what say you on Pittsburgh?
2: I just don't. I don't think enough people realize how many games they've played over the last few seasons. If you consider 100%. the back to back and going into the second round deep against Washington where, you know, eventually, I mean, you can be the best in the world, but you're going to run out of gas. And I think that this summer especially Chris Letang came in and said that he's 100% and really was um, rested. And I think a lot of the Penguins can say the same thing. So I think that that'll be a big factor early on is just how fresh and how much jump that these guys are going to have. I mean, they went neck and neck, neck, and neck with Washington again, where they, if they would have gotten by the Capitals, who's to say that they couldn't have gotten three in a row? Um, I, I definitely have them still finishing in the top two of the Metropolitan Division. They're still Stanley Cup contender. Um, one thing that I'll add, though, I don't think is getting enough attention right now in terms of kind of some of the youth that they have or don't have. I think Daniel Sprong is about to come out in a big-time way. Their draft pick from a couple of years ago hmm. where – he couldn't stick the first couple of years, but um, apparently he's playing on Crosby's wing, and well, you know what happens to just about anybody you put on oh. Sidney Crosby's wing. but sure. he's got talent to go with it. And if he can harness the talent that he has, that's a scary winger um, for the penguins, you know, not that they need any more of those, but apparently that's what they're going to get. I mean, Matt Murray's still back there. I mean, you mentioned the Jack Johnson thing. He's not expected to be the number one defenseman. That's why I'm not as worried about as many, maybe many people are. I know five years is a lot of money. I mean, it's a little over $3 million, but um, he's, got, he's got something to prove. I mean, he got scratched in the playoffs last year for Columbus. He wants to really come out and show that he's got plenty in the tank left. Um, he did put the one good season together, not last year, but the year before that where he was over plus 20 and actually had a really good year. So it's definitely there to just be interesting to see if the Penguins can harness that out of him.
0: Well, you make a good point on the number of games they played because when uh, the Kings went to the finals in 2012, went to the Western Conference finals in 2013, went to the finals in 2014, and they've missed the playoffs two years and were bumped in the first round in every season since then, and they have one game won in the last three seasons since that and it does put a lot of wear and tear on you i'd be watching the kings closely of course um being out here that that it it does more than most people think if you do that that many years in a row then and then now we've seen what chicago has done they won the cup in 13 um conference finals in 14 won the cup in 15 or no Pittsburgh did but you you get my meaning now Chicago goes ahead and and misses the playoffs after uh four or five years of deep runs in the playoffs um so I'm I'm that's one thing I'm I'm concerned about from Pittsburgh for sure that's a good point that you make um I had another thing on Pittsburgh was I just lost my train of thought anyway that's that's a good point um Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in Chris now. Chris has a couple teams he wants to get to and then and then we'll we'll uh jump on Columbus and, and get your thoughts on Columbus.
1: Hey Mark uh it's, Schreiger. it's hey, great Chris. to have you back. Yeah, just to make what you guys were just saying, uh going back in the day when the uh when the Islanders won the four cups in a row and, and got to the finals and told Are you, you know, that old Chris? To I am. And people you, people you remember that interviewing Yes, I do. Very well, in fact. And people interviewing those players, they said, well, what were your summers like? Oh, They they said our summers, we we were so exhausted, we would just sleep. Summers were for sleeping, to get the body back, so it does take a lot of toll. But um, I want to start with the Devils, uh, Shiger, from this standpoint. (laughs) Obviously, we all know that Vegas was by far the biggest surprise last year. But, uh, you know... In second place, clearly, in my opinion, were the Devils. I mean, I thought they were a mm-hmm. surefire fire lottery team. Um, you know, Taylor Hall, uh, you know, won the Hart Trophy, and rightfully uh, so. Uh, but they haven't added anyone to this team, either be a free agency or trade. Uh, they lose John Moore, who's been on that team for a while, a good, solid defenseman. The uh, The trade deadline guys. That they got, they didn't resign. They weren't able to resign any of them.
2: Um,
1: again, they won a lot of one-goal games last year, which is kudos uh-huh. to them uh, with the system that they play in, uh, as well as their goaltending, which is probably the two biggest strengths. Right, is their goaltending t- and Taylor Hall and their specialty teams uh, was terif- terrific last year. But when I look at the roster, I'm not not really overwhelmed. Uh, What do you think of the Devils heading into the season?
2: I think you're right to feel that. Um, I think the one thing that jumps out at me is did they play their absolute best last year, as in everything went right, they made the playoffs, do they have another gear in them is the question. So, We saw the best of them. We saw that the goaltending did win a lot of one-goal games, like you said. Taylor Hall, I mean, he was absolutely my choice for the part. I mean, take him off, and who knows where the devils are at that point. Um, So you're asking him to repeat that performance. You have to be the MVP of the league to get them into the wild card spot. So if he even regresses just even a little bit, there's certainly a little bit of concern, especially given the, once again, the division, you consider the Capitals, you consider the Penguins, you consider the Blue Jackets, you consider the Flyers. Most people think that's your top four. And I think a lot of people believe that the Devils are kind of in that four or five range, you know, somewhere in there. You know, will that be good enough to be in the playoffs? It obviously depends on what happens with the other division, but there certainly should be a little bit of concern about regressing a little bit. You know, can Corey Schneider repeat what he did? Um, can Taylor Hall repeat what he did? Um, what's next for Nico and, Um So right, the
1: young guys have yeah. to, the young guys have to basically step up for them, right? For for them to make Absolutely. the playoffs again, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Chris.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I I mean, Hischier had, had a had a strong first season, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is a big year for Papa Zaka, Uh the former, Absolutely. Uh, I think, sixth overall pick from a couple of years ago.
2: Uh,
1: I, I don't want to beat up on him or anything like that, but they've got to get more production uh, out of him. Sure, up to Carolina. Um, Carolina is kind of on, uh, you know, uh, basically said, we're not rebuilding, but we're regrouping. Um, it's hard to see them come March being in any kind of playoff situation. Obviously, they made a lot of moves, uh, traded a lot of pieces, and then they lost, uh, uh, was it Victor Rask to some kind of kitchen accident? Did he have surgery or something crazy this week something as well? Which is yeah. So, I mean, is this season really all about a lot of their young players playing, gaining experience, and, and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being a hopefully a con- contending team in the next two, three years kind of thing.
2: All right. Time for the bold statement of the day. I think the Carolina Hurricanes make the playoffs. So Whoa. let's talk about this. Hello. <laughs> All right. So Rod Brendamore, right? So he's the, he's the new coach. A lot yep. of reports out about the culture change that they have had. Apparently, whatever was going on down there for the last three or four seasons wasn't working. And the early reports from camp indicate that um, he's bringing in a culture that, you know, that's going to put some expectations on some players. Now, Grant, a lot of things have to go right for Carolina to make the playoffs. What's been wrong with them the last couple of years? The same thing, goaltending. And I think that Scott – it's going to be on Scott Darling, obviously, um, to be able to, you know, find a way to be able to put it together – I mean, but they, they have the pieces in place. I mean, they acquired, they remember the big trade that they had. You know, Dougie Hamilton's now on board. Um, they got rid of Noah Hanifin. They got rid of Elias Lindholm. Michael Furlin was part of that deal, I and mean, that's a very underrated part. They have your old boy Calvin DeHaan on their defense now. I just think that there's, there's something going on there with the culture. You know, and, of course, we haven't even brought up Andre Svechnikov yet, who's going to be an absolute stud in this league potential 40-goal scorer. going to start right away in his rookie year. I I just have that it feeling about him. I know a lot of people talk about them in the past, oh, they're going to make the playoffs, They're always going to be the darling team. There's just something about them this year that I think, you know, if they get enough goaltending, you know, they brought in Peter Mrazek as well to be the backup. Something about them with the way that Brenda Moore is leading them, I think that they can finally get over the hump. I have them finishing fifth in the Metro and the second wild card to give you some perspective. I think they're going to do it. I mean, they, you know, they I know they got rid of Jeff Skinner as well, but look at the quote that Brenda Moore said um, about him recently. It was something really crazy about, um, you know, we couldn't have him here because of the way that he was handling himself. So they're really trying to get wow. that culture fixed. And it's, Oof. That's rude. Yeah. That's a tough comment. <laughs> it very, it's a tough comment, but I think – I think maybe some players really appreciated hearing something like that because he's going to be no nonsense and he's going to bring yep. in something that they've desperately needed. And I think that might be the thing that finally gets them over the top.
1: Sounds like a young Barry Trotz in that regard.
2: A little
0: bit. Yeah. And they have a uh, new captain in uh, Mr. Game 7 himself, Justin Williams. Uh, good, good luck to him, of course. Um, I think he'll make a good captain there. And as far as the, the culture change that you speak of, um, I, I think he'll go a long way toward that because
2: he he's
0: a lead by example kind of guy when, when, when the game's on the line, and obviously uh, you don't get a game a nickname like Mr. Game seven um, without stepping up when your team needs you most. And, and he's a lead by example guy. So as, as far and Chris knows, you probably know me as well, um i'm a big culture in the room guy i i think that's hey I mean, look look at what vegas was able to accomplish when you had 23 guys uh believe in each other play for each other and and you know the old saying then the the name on the front of the jersey not the name on the back and if skinner was playing a little bit for the name on the back and coach didn't like it got him out of there and and the rest of the room can can you know, turn the page and, and start playing for the name on the front of the jersey as a group, uh, great things can happen when when quick you have wait, a bunch uh, of guys pulling, a, this, pulling the same direction.
1: Just a quick point. Uh, if, if Carolina is a fellow at the deadline, just want to throw out there, there's going to be about 10 teams, even though he's a free agent at the end of the year, there's going to be about 10 contending teams trying to trade for Justin Williams at the deadline.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: 100%. 100%. 100%.
1: And why, he doesn't have a big captain either. Yeah, no, and he, his captain's like three and a half. You you can line up the teams. Everyone, there's a number of teams in contention for the cup this year. You know, you can line them all up. I mean, there will be a ton. But I just want to throw that out there.
0: I don't. I don't think uh, they would move. You don't know, name a captain and then trade him in the same year at the deadline. You you have long term plans uh, for that. Um, i I that would be. That would be weird if that happened, I guess I'll say. Um, Okay. But, no, the surprise pick, Shiger drops the bomb.
2: Things on Carolina that I think are worth mentioning here, though. Um, Martin Nikash is going to be a stud in this league. That's another reason why I'm very optimistic on them. And Sebastian Ajo is a stud. So, there's definitely some pieces in place, and you add Sevechnikov to that. I think a lot of people in the league, you know, kind of underrate how good they can be. But, I think this is finally the year that yeah they're going I do believe I had New Jersey make the playoffs last year, so I kind of feel like Carolina is last year 's New Jersey
0: hm I, I you know what I think they got a good chance to to be just that, so that takes us to the Stanley Cup champion, washington capitals uh won the division last season, and uh perennial presidential trophy candidates uh, the last few years are not able to get past the Pittsburgh hump, if you will. Um, Basically, they got their whole roster back, uh, Carlson and Wilson, and and in a a roundabout kind of weird way, Orpik's back with them too. Uh, I think a big piece that's gone, and and we saw last year Grubauer had to come in and and take some time from Holpe, um, even early in the playoffs, and then obviously – uh impact on on Chris's boys up in New York uh Barry Trotz uh coach is gone Todd Reardon comes in uh first of all Mark what do you, what do you know of Todd Reardon and how 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 will that affect their chances of repeating as
2: Stanley Cup champions yeah. He's been there he's been there for a lot of what the Capitals have been through so there's certainly a familiarity and a comfort there um, okay. I think the one thing interesting to see is how the players do react to him because I think Trotz did a really good job of kind of setting the scene and trying to keep everything in proper perspective. And now it's going to be on Reardon, you know, if things maybe don't go right, you know, how does he handle the adversity that comes along with stuff? Um, so when you always have a new voice in the room, you know, it's something you immediately look to is, you know, how players are ultimately going to react to it. Um, I mean, you mentioned how many people they brought back. And I, I think the one guy that they did um, lose out on that hasn't been mentioned yet that's actually I mean, it was very important, especially in the Columbus series last year, when you look at how things changed, um, Jay Beagle. Uh, the, what he did on the penalty kill for them, you know, Columbus was scoring power play goals that brought him up to a 2 nothing lead, and then Beagle came back into the lineup and – from that point forward, um along with Holpe coming back in, it was all capitals, but I think that there's I have some penalty code questions all of a sudden um with Beagle gone, but ultimately you you have most of your team back so until otherwise proven um you know they're one of the top two teams in the metropolitan division, and we should expect to see them in the playoffs again looking to go back to back
0: just uh. Just for reference' sake, they have the Capitals, uh, the odds to win the Cup at twelve to one, which is the same as uh, the Knights, the Predators, and the Bruins, and then just behind Winnipeg as the favorite, seven to one. Tampa Bay and Toronto share it at eight to one, and then you have that group of four uh, at which I'm pretty sure this isn't updated because the Sharks are still not in that top group um after the after the eric carlson thing and they absolutely should be so um i i think yeah chris Chris had in the show notes does washington suffer from the stanley cup hangover one thing i think i think ovechkin certainly still hung over that that guy was going nuts for about two months (laughs) um so i i don't know how many went along for the ride but uh I hope he got some rest after about the middle of August because he, he, oh, he put it on. He put it on for sure.
2: Let's talk so, about Ovechkin for a minute. So, okay. he's, won the, he's won the cup. He, he's been chasing the cup for his entire career, and a lot of us thought maybe he'd never get a cup. The weight of the world is completely off his shoulders. Watch this be one of his best years yet. Because I agree. He doesn't have to face the pressure.
0: I agree. I think a lot of their struggles were just because of that, be, becoming that team yep. um, where, where you're the leader and, and it's always the president's trophy in a first-round exit, the president's trophy in a second-round exit. This is the team that, that had 122 points and got bounced in the second round yet again, um, and all that's gone now. It's like in golf when someone says you're the best player never to win a major. That's not a good thing to have. Um, if, if, if that's in the back of your mind Even just a little bit And I know these guys are professional athletes But there, there's always that You know what I'm saying And, and that's a good point mm-hmm. I, I think that, that he skates you know, Especially come playoff time uh, Regular season we, we've seen 50-60 goal seasons out of him We've seen greatness uh, Probably in my opinion One of the best uh, shots That we've ever seen in the National Hockey League um, but when it comes time for that for that playoffs, and he he knows he's been to the mountain. He knows he's taken his team to the top of the mountain. Um, how much better will they play? Uh, just relax and go out and play the game. Um, I think a lot of that is what happened to the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Final last year. Was they they they? I mean, they only lost three games in the first three rounds, and they were playing free and easy. They were playing Golden Knights hockey, and then yeah. And I think it turned the series was the, the save on Alex Tuck that uh, Holpe made at the end of game two that would have tied the game up. Um, that changed the series, uh, and, and the Capitals rode that wave. And that from that point on, Vegas was the team that that had the pressure and, and maybe the doubts started creeping in. And it seemed like once you got back to Washington in game three, it's a foregone conclusion uh, the way they played. And congratulations to them for it But it's a good point I think that whole roster can breathe a sigh of relief Drop the monkey off at the bus stop And and should be ready to go So I I agree that I think And and this is a team that does have a lot of regular season success Um, It's just Chris do you think they hop out of the gate Maybe a little slow Or do they come out balls of fire uh, Ready to rock and roll Chris
1: yeah, um oh I'm sorry, I thought you were two or more. No, I would agree with that. I remember last year they got out out of the gates kinda of slow as well right. and they still wind up winning the division. So
0: Alright, well well uh what do you got next, Chris?
1: Okay, you want to save the jackets for last?
0: Yeah, let's let's let Mark close out with a with a home home ice oh, okay. advantage there with the jackets.
1: All right, I got two teams for him here. All right, uh Mark, the Rangers. They're on record saying that they're retooling Ugh. Uh, last spring. Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes are both pending UFAs. Seem like trade, surefire trade bait. What do you expect out of the Rangers this year?
2: Uh, development. Um, I absolutely, I think they're in the full rebuild mode. I'm, I'm actually excited to see how the young kids do. Um, I think the thing that I'm really most interested in is how Henrik Lundqvist handles this whole thing. Um, this you know, there's been times where he's had some meltdowns that things didn't go right and you know, if they're playing a lot of young kids like that, you know, mistakes are gonna happen. Is he going to be a leader or is he going to be someone that loses it? And I think especially early in the year, I can't wait to see how somebody like him handles, you know, kind of what's going on around him. And the other thing that I'm interested to see is, you know, Elaine Vigno is gone. They have David Quinn in now. I think he's a much better coach for the situation, you know, for whatever reason Vigno and young players just did not mix at all. But I'm really excited to see if they're going to be young, they're going to try to play fast, you know, but I just don't you know, I don't expect them to get very much anywhere this year, but watch out for next year, you know, when we talk about Columbus and Panarin in a minute, I think that the New York Rangers are all in and then some on Artemi Panarin. I think they're going to chase him down and offer the bank to him.
1: Okay, so let's get to the blue and orange, uh, the Islanders. Before I ask you about this upcoming season, obviously we've had Mark on, but I think the last – I know it's two. might be the last three years on our mock draft show. He's a staple on that. He's terrific. And I, I know, Mark, as an independent observer going into the draft, you were – you were excited about the possibilities the Islanders potentially could have. How things played out into going into into that draft. Without yep. getting into the, from their second uh, second round pick through through the rest of the draft, let's just focus on the first three ticks. If I, yep. I it, how excited should the fan base be, and how ridiculous do you think it was that they got? <laughs> Wallstrom at eleven, Dobson at twelve, and Bodie Wild, who you felt should should have been if he was on the board got strong consideration to be picked at eleven or twelve to get Bodie wild at forty one how how ecstatic or how excited do you think, and how well did the islanders do do you think uh the fan base should be
2: all right so not only should they be ecstatic about that, they have every right to be ecstatic about that because Bodie Wild is a stud. The fact that he fell to 41 is an absolute crime. Just watch him in Saginaw this year, just make people look silly to get an idea of what I mean by that. But Wallstrom, going to be a staple on the wing for a long time. Dobson, going to be a steady defenseman for a long time. Bodie Wild is a little bit of a more risk reward kind of player, but. Boy, when he's on, he is just absolutely fantastic. But it goes way beyond that with the Islanders. And I know the Islanders, obviously, with the Tavera situation, are looking for something to hold their hat on. Hear me out, Islander fan. You now have Lula Morello, who's won multiple cups. Barry nice. Trotz, who just won a Stanley Cup. Nice. And they're going to focus on defense. So Matt Barzell is still going to be an absolute stud. He's going to be your number one center for a long time. You have those pieces that are coming in. And seriously, let me ask you a question, Chris, you know, being the Islanders guy that you are, I know John Tavares did a lot of stuff for the franchise and he was their number one guy for the longest time. How far that he was able to get them. And it's not all on him, but he made it to the second round, like once, maybe twice, something like that. Not the end of the world. Uh, They're going
1: to come in. Go ahead. To answer answer your question, Mark, losing Tavares was probably a lot more of a psychological blow. It's definitely a blow for the team this coming season on the ice. Uh, I think, though, in big picture, it was a lot more of a psychological blow. And quite frankly, the fan base has had a lot of those, these last, let's say, 20 to 25 years, and it was just another yeah. one. Uh, so, but, you know, having said that, I agree with you. I, I think John was terrific uh, and all that, uh, but in terms of, yeah, they won one playoff series in roughly in the eight years that he was here. He was terrific in that playoffs, uh, and he did he did produce in the playoffs, and they played some really tough teams in the playoffs when and played very well against a Pittsburgh or against a Washington, uh, but they, you know, came up a little short because those other teams were a bit better than them. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I think big picture-wise, and I didn't even get into the other guys they selected after those top three. Uh, again, a little bit of a crapshoot, but from what you read, there's a lot. Of, there should be a lot of excitement uh, regarding that. And I'll give you another name. This guy was one of the best players on... Team USA at the World Juniors last year. Uh, you know, Kiefer Bell is going to be on this team, I believe, sometime right. this year, and he's a guy to watch out for as well. He's a guy to be excited about. He's one of the top 25 prospects in hockey, according to the Hockey News. So uh, before we finish off with the check, it's in terms of the Islanders this year. Now well, let me, let me jump in,
0: Chris. Let, oh, me okay. let me ask you a follow-up question to that. Um, yeah. Going forward from this season on, If if someone could wave their magic wand and say that you get to keep Tavares as your number one center, but salt has gone, would you do that?
1: No, and I'll go one step further. Uh, If in the spring spring you said to me, you can keep Tavares snow and weight or lose Tavares and get Lou and Trot?"
0: And keep bars say off. Lou,
1: now, now, right. Well, he's not going anywhere. But And this is not a shot at John. This is more of a shot at how they were being coached specifically last year. And in terms of Garth, although he did, he did pretty good in drafting. Uh, let's not even get into that. But uh, I would I would say lose Tavares, and and have Lou run the organization and trots coach the team being hand-in-hand. Hand. So, All right.
0: Uh, All so, right. I like that.
1: So, so, Shiger, there are two camps on the Islanders. One is from the national media, that Alad Tavares left. It's gloom and doom, and they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. The Hockey News victims are to last in the division. And the other is, not that anyone's saying that they're going to be this year's Vegas Golden Knights, but, you know, with Barry Trotz, they do have a pretty good, depth team. They have a lot of guys playing, uh, a lot to play for. Uh, they're going to be a lot more disciplined playing a 200-foot game. That's going to be a team that's going to be a lot better than you think. Maybe not make the playoffs, but be one of those teams, you know, come March that could actually be in that playoff mix. Where where do you fall on the Islanders in terms
2: of this year? Out of the playoffs for sure, but they could be a very dangerous opponent um, if you run into them late and you need to win a game. Um, Yeah, I'm not optimistic on them this year. I know that they're going to be trying to build for the future and stuff like that. But long term, if I were to, if I was buying stock in hockey teams right now for like three years, four years, five years down the road with the way that they're trying to go, I would be buying the Islanders for sure. Because I, I certainly love the hires of. Lamorello and Trotz and just what they're going to be able to do to the room. It's going to be different. I mean, they, for the longest time, especially the last couple of years, you know, goaltending was a bit of a struggle. Um, defense was a bit of a struggle. I think that's going to start to change because of just the, the mindset that these guys have. Um, and then in terms of, you know, who they have on their roster, I mean, Jordan Eberle still on the team. Um, of course, we already talked about Barzell, Josh Bailey, Anders Lee. So there's still players there. I think Anthony Beauvillier is going to take a step in the right direction this year. So there's certainly yep. pieces. There's certainly a little bit of excitement. It's just going to take a couple of years before it gets back to where it needs to go. But it's certainly heading in the right direction.
1: All right, Mark. Why don't you finish, uh, finish up with the jacket?
0: Yeah. All right. Oh, last one. There's a lot of ways to go with that. Um, they're they're one point out of third last season, and and you know we talked about Jack Johnson. He's not there. Um, is it is it you know Panarin and Bobrovsky going in unsigned? A lot of people thought Panarin would be moved by now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that going to be a distraction going forward? Will he eventually be moved? Um, is there enough scoring depth now if Panarin is gone? Um, can, are they going to take that step forward to jump into one of the top three spots? Are they going to be about the same regardless of, of whether Panera is there or not, or do they take a step back? Mark, take us through it.
2: I have them third. I wrote out the preview today. Consider their bottom six for a man. Let's start there to give you an idea of how deep they are. Um, so the projected bottom six right now, um, as I have it, is Sunny Milano, with, with newly um, signed Riley Nash and Anthony Duclair, and mm-hmm. then you have Boone Jenner, Brandon Dubinsky, and Josh Anderson. That's your potential bottom six. That's, That's pretty a really good. really good bottom six if yep. um, you're looking at it from a big-picture standpoint. Now you, now you add Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, who both could eventually win a Norris, each of them, and then you add Bobrovsky, who has already won multiple Vezinas, and that obviously leads in the question, is this going to be a distraction for them? And we talked a lot about that in the preview. That's up to them. The big challenge for the Blue Jackets this year is going to be how do they mentally handle everything, you know, especially if they start to lose five, six, seven games in a row, because you know everybody's watching the situation. Everybody wants to know what's going on. It's going to be up to the Blue Jackets to be able to block all that stuff out, block all the noise out, and try to focus on what they have in front of them. Because if they're able to do that, they're a really good team that I still think is a little behind Pittsburgh and Washington um, in the grand scheme, but it's still a really good team that can possibly go places, but it's going to be completely up to them. And then, obviously, we have to watch the Panarin situation. Do they trade him before the season? Do they trade him at the deadline? Does he walk for nothing if they keep him the whole year? That's the million-dollar question that everybody's going to be watching out for. I think he starts the season with them, but watch the trade deadline. Watch how the season goes. You know, it's going to be there, so it's going to be up to them to block out that distraction if they want to go places this year.
0: And they did, uh, I believe they re upped coach, so uh, that's that's oh. going to be going forward. They re-uped uh, someone. I am drawing a blank. The front office, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's consistency the there. There's Consistency yeah. there. Yep. Um just they gotta uh they can't let this, this this Panarin and Bobrovsky um go into it. I I, I like how Montreal got rid of Patchetti before they, they like can't I like how Ottawa finally pulled the trigger, and, and finally, for sure, um, and, and got those things taken care of before camp. Uh, and we saw with Tavares that the longer these things go, even with Stamkos a few years back and, and gone down the line, the longer these things go, the more, the more it seems to, to weigh on everybody because that's all they're asking about. Um, it, it, it's, like, it's like Tiger Woods can finish 20th, and they'll go to the guy who won the tournament and go, what do you think of how Tiger played? So, yeah, I mean, they could go on a 10-game winning streak, and the, and the first thing out of the reporters' mouths are going to be, "Have you heard anything new on Panarin?" And and we know Torts; he's uh, he's not shy about about <laughs> expressing his opinions, and things tend to wear him a little bit thin uh, at times, especially if if, if they if hit I, him up after a bad loss. Go ahead, Chris.
1: If I can make a quick point about Panarin and Praboski, the way I see it from afar, Praboski's yep. getting. Separate issue than Praneran. Praneran, respectfully to me, uh, has it's the organization that you know. I want to keep. I want to consider my options. And basically, it's not saying that there's no way he would resign, but he's kind of given that impression that I'd rather go to a, a, a more like a Chicago or New York. Respectfully, now, and for every Blue Jacket fan who's upset about that, let me tell you something. The biggest criticism out here on Long Island, people had with John Tavares was. He wasn't being honest with the organization, so you can't say that about Panarin. The way I look at Panarin is this. Come February, assuming they don't get blown away with a trade uh, today or tomorrow or the next couple of weeks, is come February 1st, do the Blue Jackets think they have a special run in them? If they do, you keep Panarin and you roll the dice and hope you can have a a special playoff. Uh, if you don't if you feel like you know what we have a damn good hockey team, but let's be honest theoretically speaking, okay, for the columbus blue jackets uh they if let's say they finished second in the in the uh metro, they could have to play have to get through Pittsburgh and Washington to get to the Eastern Conference final and then beat Tampa Bay in the conference final and then beat, let's say a Winnipeg or Nashville, or Vegas, or San Jose in the final. So uh, it, it, it would be, you know, they would have a very, very tough road. Uh, but at the end of the day, to me, it's comfortably first. Do they feel they, could, they have the possibility, a realistic possibility, that they could have a strong uh, playoff run in them? If they're like, you know what, we're a damn good hockey team, but we're not on the, we're, we're clearly a notch below we're not going to beat those teams, we'll make the playoffs, but we're not going to beat those teams in the playoffs, then you have to trade them. That's how I see it. Curious
2: how you, how you would see, uh, what do you think of that, uh, hmm. that, that That's a great question. I mean, I, I think the way I see it is very similar to you, where I think they have to evaluate, do, do they feel like they could do it all this year? Because, I mean, if you trade them, you're not going to win a trade um, by getting rid of the Brophy, no. by getting rid of, And Aaron, and you're going to have your best chance at the cup with those two. So I certainly think that they're going to go into the season with both of them. They'll have them for the year if they don't trade them. Why not give it your best shot? I know you run the risk of losing out at the end if they decide not to resign. That's that's the business end. That's the risk you take. That's the right that they have but you have the opportunity in front of you. I mean, it doesn't come around every day that you get an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup by having yep. two of the best players in the world on your team. You, you might as well give it a shot and see what see what happens from it. Well,
0: so right, what's your first? So give
2: it... Yep.
1: Yeah, let's give us your a prediction
2: take. there, Shiger. I have them third in the Metro. I actually think they win a playoff series this year. I have them eventually losing... I'm in the second or third round of the playoffs. I have them at an even 100 points third with Pittsburgh, Washington ahead of them in the Metro. All
0: right. All right. Well, that's going to that's gonna just about wrap it up here for us. Uh, Mark, thanks again, as always, for joining us. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Scheig, <clears throat> excuse me, for all, all of his Columbus columbus blue jackets he dropped an article today with a season preview and and probably goes more into detail than the short time we had with him today so make sure you go check that out um shag we'll be talking to you later on in the season thanks again for taking the time to to chat with us buddy thanks boys really appreciate it as as always great job great job so chris um i'm gonna let you go first on this one uh give me your give me your breakdown who's your top three
1: I'm going to assume that Panarin and Prabosky both stay with the Jackets the whole year. So I got Columbus three, Washington two, Pittsburgh one. Uh, I think the Flyers will get a will get a wild card. Um, but that's that's my three two that's my three two one.
0: I'm I'm uh, going a little different direction here. I think all right. I think Pittsburgh is. Shag made a great point about how many games they've played and how long into the summers these guys have been playing for years and years. Um, And I've seen what that did to the Kings firsthand and, and what it's done to Chicago. I, I I have Pittsburgh and I wanted to put them lower, but I can't, I can't put New Jersey in front of them. I can't put Carolina in front of them. Um, Um, I can't, I can't, I can't put the flyers in front of them. Um, That's the only team you
1: could put in front of them.
0: Yep. And Washington. But, uh, I think Flyers take a step this year. I think that they, I think Elliott and Neuverth get good enough, and we're talking regular season. Um, they were only Neuverth two points behind Pittsburgh healthy. last year. No, no, I know. Um, so Elliott's going to have to carry the load. He's
1: never healthy. They,
0: they only finished. What, everything that we say about their goaltending, they finished two points behind Pittsburgh last year. For that, for that second I spot. I hear ya. And, and and they, and they got JBR, and, and they got great dynamic young defensemen. I think I think Nolan Patrick is better. I think Travis Konechny is better. Um, I, I love the top six. I think they do just enough to get get into second place in that division and host the Pittsburgh Penguins in a first round matchup, which I, I, you know that's always great when when Philly and Pittsburgh play. If it, if it goes that way and Philly has home ice this year. Um, and, and a lot, a lot's going to depend on the health of that, that Pittsburgh Pittsburgh penguin squad. And one injury, and uh, I, I don't see the depth um, to, to come forward on the offensive side. If, uh, hopefully Crosby does not get hurt. Hopefully Malkin does not get hurt, but he ha- Malkin has been an injury prone kind of player. He's plays physical. And sometimes, sometimes uh, he, he has to miss a few uh, Kessel. all those guys are are getting older now and and if they miss a significant i don't see anything in that pipeline that that's really there like we saw the anaheim ducks last year go through brutal injuries but they had a bunch of young guys on that team step up and carry them through uh, to where they they actually jumped the sharks and finished second in that division um i i question whether whether pittsburgh has the depth with the departures of uh Kunackle and, and Connor Sherry and, and Hunwick and and those guys being gone is those guys that would have to step up. So if they're healthy, I, I put them at third, and then I don't see any reason with the the full group back intact, Washington uh, number one.
1: Yeah, no, that makes uh, – I mean, look, to me, where Washington and Pittsburgh's at, I don't think it really matters to them if they finish one in their heart of heart. They finish one, two, or three. I think the only thing that would probably matter is depending upon how where they finish. Just if they threw each other in the first round, uh, right. you know, because you know, because they not took their foot off the gas, but due to injuries or due to uh, you know pacing themselves for lack of a better term, they wind up finishing two and three and then drawing each other in the first round. I don't think it's uh, but Columbus, they're really in a tight spot with this McNaren yeah. thing. He, in fairness to him, he's not doing anything wrong. He's being honest with them. But the, the reality—they're not Montreal. They're not Ottawa, where you know that their their road ahead is for the future. of Those teams, they have a—you know—if things come together, they can. And I know we've said this the last couple of years, but they're a team. Clearly, they're a strong regular season team. But they are a team that could go on a run in the postseason. Now, personally, I of a Tampa. I mean, uh, you want to say that they're maybe they would match up well with them? I I, I don't know. Uh, personally, I'd have to see them beat Washington or Pittsburgh to believe it. Uh, but well, what bothers me, I mean, like I said, what
0: bothers me too, Chris, is they were up uh, on Washington two, two nothing two oh going home, going home. Yeah, and uh, man lost four straight yeah uh, no i I'm they, they were that they, close double are, overtime in game they, three they, at home they, if they win that game obviously they're up three nothing i find it hard to believe that washington comes back from that um so they, they were one double overtime goal away from finally breaking the ice of winning a first round series and that was with everything you know intact and now there's questions now now there's distractions now there's a little bit uh I know I know Scheich's high on their bottom six and it it looks pretty good on paper and we'll have to see how that comes together. But we we've seen these situations uh get kinda ugly and, and like you said, Panarin's handling it very well, very professionally. Um but I... I
1: well
0: what you gotta yeah, show Well, one last point on Panarin is again
1: he's been professional, he hasn't Done anything wrong, but let's face it, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you're beyond disappointed that he does he uh, by appearances does not want to stay. How does that storyline play out? You know, if it's November and, and and he's doing you know okay, or they have a game where he doesn't, I mean, how does that play out? I mean, yeah, I'm sure you know that's something For that, sure. I, like you said, I think Boboski's different. I think it's you know, they've never you know, Boboski's been a tremendous regular season player. That same player has not. He hasn't played like that in the postseason. Okay, exactly. Uh, he hasn't. He, he hasn't even. In a couple. Again, I'm just going to use this because it's fresh in my mind. A couple of years ago, Thomas Grice played unbelievable for the Islanders. He was the reason they beat the Panthers, and he was the reason. And, and he played tremendous against Tampa. I mean, Barbaschy hasn't even had a moment like that. Okay, to put it right. in perspective, in terms of the playoffs, but that's a different. That's a different situation. Panarin is a unique situation, and it's got a lot of pitfalls to it. I think it's going to be a wait-and-see approach of where this team is at. I believe, I truly believe if they think they're a contending team for something, for, for a run, then he will not be traded. I think if they're like, you know, I don't see that at all, even if we're a playoff team, uh, then I think he'll be moved. It's hard for me to come up with a trade where they trade with somebody – here and now and get a proven player back who's going to be obviously a lesser player and let's say some futures in the deal. I don't, it's hard for me to see a trade where it works for Columbus given where they're at.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, I'd have, I'd be a lot more confident with them if things were a little more settled and I might be tempted to bump them up in, in these rosters. But, um, I, I, Philly's going to be my my team to watch this year. I think they're the, the, okay. they're ready to take the next step, and, and I'm gonna put them in second in that division. So, uh, thanks everybody All for right. listening. Um, Chris, tell them what to tune in for next week.
1: Next week we got Jamie Thomas of Winnipeg TV as we break down the Central, and I'm sure a whole host of the comings and goings in the NHL uh, news. We'll touch about. I'll definitely touch on Zetterberg, which we didn't get to this week. And we'll definitely touch upon uh, Seattle taking another step quietly forward, becoming, joining the NHL. So we'll talk about that next week as well.
0: All right. Make sure you guys follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, iTunes. uh, Go over to Russ Cohen's Sportsology page and Grandstandsportsnet.net. They're always good guys over there, and they have a lot of good content as well. So that's going to do it for this week. We look forward to talking with Jamie Thomas. Uh, TV guy for the Winnipeg Jets next week it's going to be a great show for that for Chris on mark and we 're gone